This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Priest, and this is the Sleeper Hold Podcast, where there is no disqualifications on the topics and falls count anywhere. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. We are continuing our Women in Wrestling series, but first, I want to give a huge congratulations to two people who are like family to me. A huge congratulations to Mickey Thomas and Mike Ushman as they officially became husband and husband this past weekend. I have known these guys for a long time and they are both like brothers to me. So to see them so happy like this is nothing short of being great. So to Mr. and Mr. Ushman, congratulations and I wish you both many wonderful years together in your marriage. All right, now let's get down to business. In today's episode, we have one of my favorite female wrestlers who's ever stepped into the ring. If you grew up watching wrestling around the same time I did, you got to see bits of the golden age of wrestling, but the main thing you watched and was exposed to was like the Attitude Era and the WWF versus WCW Monday Night Wars. During this time, we paid witness to a woman who was so dominant, so intimidating, that she revolutionized that a woman can take on any man, literally and figuratively. She made men think twice about saying a woman couldn't beat them. With how amazing she was, she became often referred to as the ninth wonder of the world. That woman is none other than China. China's life and career is a very interesting one. I actually read her book, If They Only Knew, and it was a very incredible read. I highly recommend it. Born in Rochester, New York, she was a child of a broken family. At first, she lived with her mother, but after some complications, she moved in to live with her father. Now, her father wasn't much of a saint either, but I don't want to spoil anything for those who want to read the book. The important thing here I want to mention is the turning point for China that led to her professional wrestling career. She was once a flight attendant who just finished her training and was getting ready to go on her first flight when she ended up in a big car accident that led to her being hospitalized for four days. She went to having side jobs before finally deciding to enter fitness competitions but because of her size in comparison to the other women, she often was unfairly ended up in last place. And so she decided to pursue her career at professional wrestling and train under Killer Kowalski. The training camp was not the best one. It was nearly a joke, if you ask me, after seeing how she described it. However, China stuck through it and her hard work did pay off. China was determined to submit her videos or any other material possible to the WDAF to have them look at and consider her in having a career with their company. 
she did end up bumping into Triple H and Shawn Michaels at a show, and they offered for her to come back to the hotel and show her some of the footage as well. The two were impressed and promised that they would talk to Vince McMahon for her. And the thing that also probably helped her out is that Triple H also trained under Kowalski, so they had many great stories to share and compare with each other. After hearing out Triple H and Shawn Michaels, though, Vince initially did not want China to join the company. He didn't think the fans would buy into a woman, no matter what her build was, being able to beat up the male roster. Triple H promised to be responsible for her, as long as Vince would give her a chance. Ironically, China's career almost took a completely different turn as she was just given an offer by WCW to be the sole female member of the New World Order. China initially accepted the offer, but she ended up backing out of this offer after being informed by Shane McMahon that she was about to be given an offer by the WWF like she had so desired. Still, can you imagine China as part of the New World Order? I think it would have been awesome. Although I'm pretty sure she would have quickly ended up fed up with Hogan's leadership and Bischoff and tried to overthrow them. So China started out in the WWF as Triple H's bodyguard and enforcer. As time moved onward, Triple H helped establish Degeneration X with his buddy Shawn Michaels and China was there on the side. China at this time was still more of an overall silent bodyguard enforcer, often helping Triple H in being a heel by interfering behind the referee's back and laying a low blow to the opponent. This was when she was finally introduced to the whole wrestling fans as being called China. It was kind of a pun and play on words, as if she was some type of delicate and fragile piece of fine China, even though that was far from how her character was portrayed. Her career didn't start off easy, though, just like what Vince feared. Many of the male wrestlers were extremely hesitant to have a female overpower them in front of the fans. But as time passed, many superstars, like Jeff Jarrett, gave China the benefit of the doubt and helped project her career into what she is so well known for today. In January of 1999, China became the 13th entrant in the Royal Rumble, making her the first woman to ever enter the Royal Rumble contest. Following the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, China betrayed Triple H and teamed up with Vince McMahon and Kane. At the St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view, China teamed with Kane to take on and defeat Triple H and X-Pac. This alliance was short-lived as China turned on Kane at WrestleMania 15 by attacking him with a chair. It looked like she was back with DX. However, later on during that show, she and Triple H turned their backs against DX to help Shane McMahon defeat X-Pac. The two of them joined the corporation, which later on led to be the corporate ministry. China stayed beside Triple H, but later on in the year, the two split again. In 1999, China continued her streaks of firsts as she became the first woman to qualify in the King of the Ring tournament. She made it into the quarterfinals before losing to Road Dog. She also became the first female to become a number one contender for the WWF Championship, but soon lost her slot to Mankind before the August SummerSlam pay-per-view. 
Later on, she ended up as the fan favorite during her feud against Jeff Jarrett and his Intercontinental Championship. At the Unforgiven pay-per-view, she lost her match for the title, but the feud wasn't going to end there. China had another shot against Jarrett at the No Mercy pay-per-view in a good housekeeping match, which was simply a hardcore match with kitchen utensils and accessories. China won the match and became the first and only woman to wear the Intercontinental Championship. Along with this, China became the mentor for Miss Kitty while she also served as China's valet. And if you ask me, it was pretty freaking hot seeing Miss Kitty match China in looks and style. Even if she did become a bit more of a frisky kitty. Meow. China's next feud after Jarrett was with Y2J Chris Jericho over her Intercontinental title. She initially beat him at Survivor Series, but ended up dropping the title to Jericho at Armageddon. On December 28, 1999, the two squared off in SmackDown for the title, and it ended up with the match being closed in controversy, since both wrestlers appear to have penned each other. During this time, though, Stephanie McMahon was the head of authority, notice the trend here, and declared them both as co-champions. The two ended up defending their title against Hardcore Holly at Royal Rumble in a triple threat match, where Jericho won and became the sole champion of the title. Sleeper Hole Podcast is proud to be partnered up and broadcasting with 217 Radio, an internet radio station in the central Illinois area. To keep up with our new weekly schedule, our show is aired every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and yours truly also has another show at that same time every Wednesday where I freely speak my mind on some of the news locally and nationally. But you don't only get to listen to me. There's great music and incredible shows from other hosts as well. Soon I will be super looking forward to the show that talks about the paranormal and does the little investigations. I'm a big paranormal junkie, so that one's going to be awesome once it gets up and going. Wednesdays also has 217 Problems, which is from the same great creator of 217 Problems, which is named and shown on Facebook. Now, Pickett, he's one of the producers of 217 Radio, and he has the Pickett's Movie Show on Saturdays, which is great for those who want a review on what movies to check out. And I'm looking forward to seeing my buddy, Jeremy Bailey, launch Lincoln's Legends on the Thursday night slot. Now, this is a big-time growing show, so let me tell you, many shows are being added as days roll by, and there's many things going on. So... I am very, very sure there's going to be so many great things to check out as new shows are added and there's something for everybody. So what are you waiting for? Just go to 217radio.com. Sit back, relax, and enjoy some great shows and a great variety of music. Shortly after China finished her feud with Chris Jericho, Miss Kitty went her own way, and China became the mamacita in affections of Eddie Guerrero's Latino heat. Personally, this was one of my favorite times for China, as she kind of opened up, was a little bit more outspoken, and she smiled a lot more, showing more of the feminine side as well as her tough, rugged side. 
The two of them, Eddie Guerrero and China, showed a great chemistry together as they were once enemies. Often the two would come out to the ring in one of Eddie's low riders, and Eddie would have a bouquet of roses for his mamacita. Sometimes the bouquet would have a lead pipe hidden inside it for Eddie to use if he needed it to win a dire situation. And the two did start a small feud against Val Venus and the upcoming new diva Trish Stratus. At SummerSlam, the four of them squared off in an intergender tag team match while the Intercontinental Championship was put up on the line. China did regain her title, but it was eventually dropped to Eddie two weeks later in a triple threat match against Kurt Angle. The two still remained together until around November of 2000 when China split ways with Eddie Guerrero after finding him sharing his Latino heat with two other women in the showers. I guess if you ask Eddie, he just had too much Latino heat to share with just one woman. At this same time, China posed for the November 2000 edition of Playboy. This led to a WWE storyline where a new faction of self-righteous people formed against such indecencies. This faction was called Right to Censor, and if there is one thing I remember about them is how much I hated their entrance and always muted the volume as it was so loud, annoying, and hurt my ears. Seriously, if they are going to do something like that again, it's going to make me want to go nuts. New Day is close enough to be in that bad. China started the feud with Right to Censor's Ivory while pursuing Ivory's Women's Championship. During the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, China had the match building up in her favor until she attempted her signature handspring back elbow where the whiplash appeared to re-injure her neck. She was out of commission for a while, but did return to continue her hunt for Ivory's title. At WrestleMania 17, China made quick work of defeating Ivory for her title, followed by a successful title defense against Lita at the Judgment Day pay-per-view. Shortly after, though, China vacated the title and left the WWE. In 2002, China joined New Japan Pro Wrestling, debuting as a referee in a match between the Steiner brothers in Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kensuke Sasaki. For September and October of 2002, she fought in several matches with New Japan Pro Wrestling before stepping out of the ring for a long hiatus. On the month of May 2011, China did return to the ring where she made a debut with total nonstop action. But once more, this was a short career inside the ring compared to her days with the WWE. Here at the Sleeper Hold Podcast, we strongly believe in helping others. This quarter, the Sleeper Hold Podcast is going pink with Susan G. Komen as we join the Rise Above Cancer campaign. Susan G. Komen is the world's largest nonprofit funder of breast cancer research. Breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the world and the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths among women in the United States. There are already more than 3.1 million breast cancer survivors now in the United States, and your contributions will help with the research and work to increase the number of survivors of breast cancer. For more information or to make your donation, visit thesleeperhold.com and click on the Susan G. Komen link. Many people would agree with me that they want and demand to see such a revolutionary woman in wrestling history 
like China, be entered into the WWE Hall of Fame. However, according to Triple H, one of the key factors of why she isn't going to be inducted is China's pornography career. I'm not going to go into detail here, as this is not what I am trying to promote, but I will say this much. Although it isn't a video like what China is being shamed for, Playboy is also a form of pornography, and many of the other women who have been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame or are still famous with the WWE have been the star of different Playboy issues. So to me, that reasoning, that excuse, is unacceptable. Triple H used his children as an example that if they hear about China being inducted into the Hall of Fame, they can Google search her and find out about her pornography career, but I put this to the test. I Google searched China, Sable, Trish, Stratus, Lita, and Tori Wilson with and without the WWE tagged to the end of their names. And do you know what I found for each when I searched the first two Google pages? Many references to their career. And only one reference on the second page only for China's pornography career. And you know what's even better? When I did an image search, even with the safe filter, China was the one woman who pretty much had the least of suggestive and seductive pictures showing right away. So I ask you again, WWE, when will we see China get the recognition she deserves? So Sunday is the big day for one of my favorite pay-per-views growing up. There have been many monumental events that have happened during the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So with that being said, it's time for us to look at the upcoming matches and for my predictions to be pointed out for Sunday. We kick off with Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett facing off against Neville, Dolph Ziggler, and Cesaro. This is going to be a pretty nice kickoff match. Of course, I am rooting for the faces on this one, but what will actually happen is anyone's guess. I will say this, though. It will more likely have a chaotic moment where everyone is inside the ring duking it out. You just kind of have to expect that when you have a six-man tag. Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt, right out the gate, I want to say that without his family, Bray's number is up against Reigns. But as much as I want to see Roman win... Bray has proven time and time again that you shouldn't count him out as easily as he will wait for the split second of a moment to catch his prey and deliver the Sister Abigail's kiss. You know, also, Bray has grown on me. I won't deny it. I, I did not like Bray for a while there. He was being too cryptic, too hard to decipher until the very last minute when he finally would tell you what he's doing. By that time, I didn't care anymore. But he's now kind of have a purpose. He has a point to be driven so I'm, I'm liking this new Bray. I'm liking this reformed Bray. And it's, again, I, I like Roman. I'm going to probably root for Roman. But I'm also thinking that Bray's doing a pretty good job. So, again, in short, I'm rooting for Roman. But I have a feeling Bray's dominance is not yet over. Nor is this feud. I would not be surprised if Bray wins. Charlotte's defending her title against Nikki Bella in a rematch for the championship Divas match. I'm not going to go too deep into this as it's pretty cut and dry. I'm rooting for Charlotte and predicting she's going to win it as well. Nikki had the title for way too long. Uh, if they give it back to her, I'm going to be really having much of a rage fit. 
I do think we're going to see more depth with Team PCB's drama, though. And speaking of which, I wouldn't be surprised if we soon see a huge feud between my girl Natty and Paige once Natalia returns to the ring after being jumped. The New Day defends against the Dudley Boys. I am praying for the trombone to be completely destroyed and the Dudleys become the champions. You know, they Monday put Xavier Woods through wood. Ha ha pun there. But, you know, hopefully they'll do it for the other ones. What do I think will actually happen, though? No, I'm not sure. The WWF, or sorry, oops, the WWE seems to favor having annoying people hold the belts, which... You know, I get it. You want to have that heat. You want to have that fans' attention of watching somebody get their butt kicked. So you, you give the belts to the heels. But man, can you pick a more annoying team? And what's with all the booty jokes? Are you five? Come on. But you know, hopefully the WWE will listen to the WWE universe and let the Dudleys become the ten-time tag team champions. Ryback is super hungry for taking down Kevin Owens and retrieving his Intercontinental title. If you ask me, Ryback lost the belt too early and should have it back. But on the same token, we are now seeing more and more of how much of a fighter Kevin Owens can be. I'm completely on the fence on this one because now with Kevin Owens actually showing what he's capable of and putting on good matches... I can't really decide who I want to win, let alone who will actually win. I'm kind of rooting for Ryback more than Owens, but at the same time, I'm going to kind of probably stay on the fence with this one. John Cena is going to have an open challenge. Honestly, this isn't to sound disrespectful to Cena. I like Cena, but Cena will have the open challenge. Cena will retain the title. Enough said. I don't see them doing anything too crazy there. Unless they want to do something like, oh my gosh, Sting suddenly shows up and takes the title away from him. Don't see that happening, though. Seth Rollins is going up against the Demon Kane. It would be a complete waste if they didn't make this one as hyped up as they have and built it up like they did. And I would be a complete liar if I didn't say that I was rooting for the Demon on this one. What do I think will actually happen, though? Honestly... I'm not completely sure. I mean, they could let Seth keep the belt. He is the younger superstar and could carry it and handle it a lot longer. He's proven that he's capable athletically, and he plays a great annoying heel. One that, you know, it's not that you can't stand him like how you can't stand the New Day, but you, you do want to see him get his just desserts because of how much he annoys you. At the same time, though, Kane is one heck of a veteran. The demon is finally back out. It's not reserved so much. When the demon comes out, it's the traditional demon that we've all been dying for. So, honestly, I'm not sure. I will say this, though. I do have a feeling that Seth has burned his bridges with the authority lately, and he keeps burning them without me to. They're probably going to team up in making sure that Kane will become the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and they're going to probably screw over Seth. I would not be surprised if later on we see a feud of Seth versus the Authority while everybody still turns their back on Seth because they don't trust him. He's kind of burned bridges everywhere. And of course, the big match that everyone's talking about 
everyone wants to make their predictions on and everyone's looking forward to the final chapter where Brock Lesnar takes on The Undertaker in the Phenom's own playground, The Hell in a Cell. Let me make something clear here real quick for you. The Hell in a Cell is The Undertaker's playground. He has beating the heck out of people in this thing. He has done so much damage in this thing. He first went off against Shawn Michaels. We saw how messy that was. He's thrown Mick Foley off the roof of the cell. And we all thought this Mick Foley was dead. Then Mick Foley comes back and he goes through the cell into the mat of the ring. Again, we all thought he was dead. I mean, The Undertaker's playground is not something to balk at. This match is going to be vicious. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be brutal. It is going to be a great conclusion in this story between these two men. So, who am I rooting for? <laughs> Undertaker, of course. I have always been a fan of the dead man, and I will continue to cheer for him until he is retired. Well, unless Sting gets in his match with Undertaker in WrestleMania, then I might be on the fence. But as for any other match, yeah, I, I'm dead man 100% until he retires. As for what will actually happen, I have a feeling with how the dead man's career is probably nearing its end. And I, I'm sure everybody else is feeling that too. I do have no doubt that The Undertaker will actually win this one to help him carry his legacy to one more WrestleMania with somebody, hopefully Sting, and then end his legacy on a good note. Well, that's it for this edition of the Sleeper Hole Podcast. Don't forget that next week we will continue on the series and talk about more great women who have entered the square circle. Until then, I am your host, Priest, Signing off. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com, comment on episodes, read our blog, find information about our quarterly charity, and more. See you next week.